1: A San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe.
0: A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court.
2: Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin.
0: Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish.
2: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on revolverpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey,
3: what's up, guys?
1: Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
4: Oh, is it good to be with you fine people. It is Monday, November 13, 2017. Appreciate y'all being here. Episode 131 of the Anik and Florian Podcast, starring three-time UFC title challenger, father-to-be Kenneth Allen Florian. 1976. He was established. Ken Flo. What's up, kid? <laughs> wow, that
5: was a lot of info. A lot of unnecessary info. First of all, I love. It's a beautiful hat. But I want to see the baby Thank Browns. You. I want to see your baby Browns. There we go. Right. I want to see this the eyes. Do. There we go. Now I can see you.
4: No hair plugs. You Everyone's like, Oh, dude, Anik needs hair plugs. <laughs> no hair plugs. So, uh, hey, by the way, you were awfully chummy with with Tyron Woodley in, in studio this weekend. He was making you laugh quite a bit. Kid. I had
5: I was busted his balls. You know, we, he he kept getting pissed at me because I kept saying that the lightweight division is the toughest division in the UFC, and he disagrees. Right. So I kept going in on him about you know the welterweight division, how it's the third yeah. week, you know, third strongest, fifth strongest. He didn't like it.
4: Yeah, you told him 70 had nothing on the 35s and the 45s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get it. So uh, we are Fox Sports folks. So as many of you know, uh, we recently agreed to a deal with Fox Sports to align join forces. So today, for the first time in 131 episodes, Ken Flo is live in studio in Playa Vista. Sounds fancy. Am I pronouncing that right? Playa Vista. You got it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice over here,
4: dude. So this is very exciting. So to everybody at Fox Sports, to Janko, to Neil Foley, uh to Ben Wissoric, I'm gonna learn how to pronounce that at the controls today. We appreciate all of you getting us up and running with graphics and the whole package and everything else, but don't worry to the audio files out there right here in our hearts. Got you. so uh we got you um so a lot of different things coming up today obviously we're going to recap all that went down in norfolk virginia with fs1 ufc Fight night we'll look ahead to sydney australia and shanghai and ufc 218 a lot of changes there's so many reasons why we love this sport but part of it is the news cycle right you better not can any content because it's 24 7 with mixed martial arts and we better get to it let's get to it.
1: Headlines.
4: It's time for headlines.
1: I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny
4: Florian podcast. So UFC 217, hard to believe it was nine days ago. Not only the biggest pay-per-view of the year in terms of pay-per-view buys and what the fight card held on paper, but it ended up being one of the best fight cards of 2017. So if you're FS1 UFC fight night Pettis versus Poirier, tough act to follow and once again, Flo, sport delivers uh and when you're Dustin Poirier I guess this guy knows nothing if not how to entertain a crowd we thought it was a bulletproof main event hugely exciting uh if you like blood this was the fight for you but Dustin Poirier Kenny once again just accomplishing big things first at at 45 and now at 155 pounds he's on quite a run
5: I was a little nervous about the card you know you look at all the uh all the matches that were made it was phenomenal matchmaking uh top to bottom. Uh, and coming off of UFC 217, I said, can this deliver like 217? I, I yeah. tell you, what a show. Uh, and, of course, you get a guy like Poirier, you get a guy like Pettis. I mean, one's called uh, Showtime. The other guy just gets right in your face and just wants to brawl, Dustin Poirier. Uh, and you knew we were going to have a great fight, and both these guys really delivered. Poirier just basically followed the blueprint of how to beat Anthony Pettis, and Anthony Pettis continues to struggle here in the short range. You know, he he didn't have a whole lot of answers or tools to deal with that pressure and that short range of Dustin Poirier. You know, the, the fact that he wasn't coming up with elbows or knees or wasn't able to circle away from the cage shows that Anthony Pettis continues to kind of go to that Bad default mode, unfortunately, for him. And this is a yeah. guy who is so talented. On the outside, there's very few people who can strike uh, like Anthony Pettis. He's so creative. His kicking game is just ridiculous. Dustin Poirier took it right out of him, uh, was mixing in uh, takedowns, taking him to the mat, getting Anthony Pettis tired, uh, cut him open really badly. I mean, there was blood all over that canvas. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you didn't get any on that uh, those nice a little suits. Bit, a little but, bit. Uh, <laughs> dude, I-, I mean, what a fight. What a main card.
4: I don't know that I've ever seen a fighter with legit puddles of blood in both of his eyes, as we saw with Anthony Pettis, whose toughness is absolutely off the charts. I think the most amazing number, Kenny, to come out of this show, Anthony Pettis, seven and six in the UFC. You know, I mean, it's just crazy. But Dustin Poirier, of course, is the story. Now, he stayed at featherweight. Because he was having success there, you know, made his UFC debut, as many of our listeners know, was January 1st, 2011 on short notice relatively against Josh Grisby, who at the time was a big name. Now, Poirier was a lightweight. He started his MMA career as a lightweight, went down to 45 because it was a quicker path, presumably to a title fight. When he left the featherweight division, nobody had more wins at 145 pounds than Dustin Poirier. But obviously, this is the division in which he belongs, does his best work. And in the biggest fight of his career, beats up and then breaks, really, Anthony Pettis. As far as the strategy goes, Kenny, Poirier was able to take Pettis down, I believe, inside of the first minute in all three rounds. And we heard a lot about Pettis' improved wrestling coming in and is he wrestling. Obviously, he does a great job. I have no doubt strides were made. But Poirier, to my amateur eyes, pretty easily was able to get Pettis exactly where he wanted him early in those rounds.
5: Well, the wrestling rules change up against the cage, right? We even see a lot of guys uh, who have a lot of experience wrestling um, and once you get your back up against the cage, a lot of those same rules that you know uh, apply for just strict wrestling in the open mat does not work. You can't sprawl the same. You know the way that you're tying up. Um, you got to do things very differently. A lot of a lot of times, guys try to push the head down, or they try to go to a guillotine. Um, That stuff might work in the open mat, but not up against the cage. The guy is going to get superior position. Dustin Poirier was able to time his takedowns very, very well, was able to get his hands up and around the legs of Anthony Pettis. Pettis just didn't have an answer. He was trying to do that switch, trying to put his arm on the inside, wasn't getting enough leverage on it, and and Poirier was just taking full advantage. Once he got on top, man, he was really uh, scoring a lot of damage with short elbows and short shots. Anthony Pettis, to his credit, Um, was attacking with some nice triangle attempts. I was surprised that Dustin Poirier was getting himself in that position like three, four, five times in that triangle position, but it didn't matter. Poirier was able to counter repeatedly, able to get out of those moves, um, and it was kind of a strange ending as well. Dustin Poirier had that body triangle. Anthony Pettis finally was able to turn, uh, except it just went right into mount, and I think – uh, again there's no doubt in my mind that he hurt his ribs okay you know the, yeah. that that body triangle is very painful especially you're trying to twist there's not a whole lot of space for your ribs to go um, but I think also mentally when you are uh, repeatedly um, getting out positioned by your opponent you're doing everything possible it went from back tri- you know back mount to mount to back mount to mount and I think yeah. after a while he was just like I'm out of here I can't see I can't right. move my ribs right. are hurting. It was kind of – I don't want to say the perfect excuse, but – um, it was a perfect excuse.
4: So, so it goes into the books as a submission by way of body triangle, right? I know Joe yeah. Silva would always want us to call certain things TKOs, and I think that affected maybe, Kenny, a little bit of the way we actually scored mm. the end of a fight uh, yeah. as far as how it went into the books. But submission body triangle is okay with you, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Eric Koch, uh, longtime teammate of Anthony Pettis who fought Dustin Poirier back in the day. I believe he was the one who, who posted something on Instagram and CM Punk, I think, really Reposted it in accordance that they didn't love when Keith Peterson interrupted the fight to yeah. call in the doctor. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the post-fight show and, and I can see you, you seem dismissive of this angle, right? Um, but they said Pettis was trying to execute a triangle. They believed that particular attempt was in tighter than previous attempts and they didn't love the referee intervening. No, I, uh, I you
5: yeah, know, sorry, go ahead. You No, all you,
4: something. man. I, I what I, do you think? I, I mean, we absolutely. didn't address it on the broadcast.
5: I, absolutely, man. Because you know what? Um, uh, we didn't get a chance to, really to talk about it, I think, in the post-fight show. But I tweeted immediately uh, when, they, when they broke it up, when Keith Peterson broke it up. And I think he's a fantastic ref, one, one of, of the best. best in the game, no doubt about it. But uh, he made a mistake here. Uh, you cannot stop a fight in the middle of a submission. Let it go. And now, if you are going to stop it, why would you put the guy back in closed guard? I thought that was uh, really poor decision-making, um, and-, and Anthony Pettis must have felt just completely defeated. I mean, just to get into that position, to get that but triangle. But he didn't trophy, protest it. I know. That's what was so weird. I- and again, I don't know. You know, things move so fast in a fight. You're getting hit. Um, th- there's a lot of moving parts. Adrenaline's going uh, crazy out there while you're fighting. A- and maybe he didn't really think about it, but... Yeah, man, it was terrible. You cannot – I mean, a triangle choke, that's a legit submission. And right. the fact that he stopped it when the submission was on, uh, I thought was a, just a, a very poor choice and very unfortunate for Anthony Pettis. But, so I, I do think that there's there's an excuse built in there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That, that was not good.
4: Maybe Pettis' inner monologue was like, thank God can someone just wipe the damn blood right. out of my eyes. You know, And maybe he didn't think the choke was that tight. Again, I don't know if it was addressed at a, at a post-fight press conference or not.
5: Yeah, and, and I've been there, man. You know, when I fought Diego Sanchez, when he absolutely creamed me, uh, he got on top in the mount, uh, cut me open um, prior to that uh, with an elbow, I, I think split across my nose, and blood just went right into my eyes. It's like a paint, and you, can, yeah. you cannot it, – all it does is smear over your eyes, and basically you're seeing like a red filter, barely uh, see anything yeah. with a red filter. Um, and, and it's an awful feeling. It's very difficult to see, uh, and having been there, it's no fun.
4: Well, nobody made you become a professional fighter, Kenny. This is true.
5: This is me. I did this. I did this to
6: me. <laughs>
4: uh, so, it, um, I mean, I don't know if you like numbers, Kenny, but Poirier's top five, maybe even, even top four, in UFC wins and finishes dating to his debut in 2011, at least in terms of wins, right, since he's been in the promotion. Top five in terms of wins. The guy just gets it done. Nine finishes in the UFC. Now, I wonder if a fight with Conor McGregor would be more competitive at 155 pounds that seems to be off in the distant future, given the fact that we have an interim champion and a top 10 that is just crawling with worthy contenders. We are going to get some clarity. Obviously, Habib Nurmagomedov taking on Edson Barboza. Hopefully, they can make the Ferguson-McGregor fight. But if you're Dustin Poirier, he was so animated going over to Sean Shelby. And and those guys, I think, have a pretty good relationship. I know they respect Dustin Poirier a great deal. But he went over and just almost lit up Sean Shelby as if to say, you know, you're, first things, you're giving me the Alvarez Gaethje fight. Mm-hmm. You're giving me the winner of that fight, and you're giving me $50,000. And uh, he got one <laughs> of those two things after the fight. And, <laughs> hey, you know, if I get a vote, I know I don't. I, I want to see him get the-, get the winner of Eddie and Justin.
5: Yeah, I- I'm not going to say no to a bloody and angry Dustin Poirier, <laughs> okay, after he would just won a main event. Uh, yeah, so, uh Josh Shelby!
3: It's Josh Shelby!
5: Yeah, no, uh, that, was, that was good to uh, see him get that, that fight bonus. That obviously, well-deserved. Uh, but for Poirier, I, I think he deserves. That's the fight, right? I mean, he was supposed to get the shot against Eddie Alvarez. Of course, Eddie Alvarez was chosen uh, to compete against Justin Gaethje and, and become yep. coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. So that didn't work out. I think that's the right fight for him. He gets the winner of Gaethje uh, and Alvarez. Yeah. For Poirier, though, and I think it's a good fight for him um, against one of those guys. Both those guys really are brawlers. If we're being honest, um, it, it would be an amazing fight uh, excitement wise, but for Poirier moving forward, I think he does need to get a little bit more technical. Um, needs to be able to hit and not get hit as much because moving forward against the Habib Nurmagomedovs, the Edson Barbosa's, um, the Tony Ferguson's, uh, and of course, Conor McGregor, he, he cannot get hit like that. He's got, he's got to be a little bit smarter moving forward, but I certainly have him now moving up the rankings. Uh, you know, you have Kevin Lee, I think at seven, Nate Diaz at six. Um, you know, so I would I would put him right in there.
4: Crazy to think that he might need three more wins to, to get title shot. Um, all right, we could spend a half an hour on that fight, and we'll certainly get back to UFC fight night in a little bit. But now with us on the guest line, one of the best, one of the most accomplished fighters in UFC history. Ten days ago, he was the UFC middleweight champion. Twelve days from now, he'll headline again on short notice in Shanghai. Legend, future UFC Hall of Famer. Michael Bisping is with us, Mike. Very kind of you, man, to give us a few minutes today, my friend. How are you?
3: Yeah, no problem, guys. Um, Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I didn't think I'd be saying this, but uh, I'm on my way to the gym, so uh, Uh, I I I have plenty of time to talk to you, good people.
4: Jason Perillo's like, you got to be shitting me. I got to go to Shanghai for Thanksgiving. Um, So, Mike, I'm calling the fights in Norfolk, Virginia. We're about to announce Jose Aldo as Frankie Edgar's replacement at UFC 218. My stage manager hands me a card that says Bisping versus Gastelum in Shanghai. Now, I'm going for Thanksgiving, so I'm very excited in the moment, but a little bit surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been. So Bisping to the rescue, man. I mean, how did this all come together? It sounds to me like you made contact with Dana first.
3: Yeah, that's right. You know, it's kind of funny because uh, Jason Perillo is going out to uh, Shanghai anyway. He's cornering Kylie Curran. And I actually joked about it uh, prior uh, to my fight with GSP. I was like, you know, maybe I'll come out there and help you corner. I've never been to Shanghai. So uh, this this is kind of surreal. So what happened was last Friday, I'm in the car with my wife and my in-laws. We're heading out for lunch. And... um, I hear on Sirius XM on the Luke Thomas show, um, Anderson Silva tests positive steroids again, and he's out of the fight, and they, they are looking for a replacement. And I'm driving down the street, and I'm like, what do you think? I said to my wife, I said, I can fly out there, I, I'll fight him. And they're like, no, don't be silly. I'm like, yeah, I think I will. I said, why not? Uh, because, you know, since the GSP fight, obviously... You know, it didn't go my way, and uh, all credit to George. But uh, it just, you know, I mean, I've got no excuses, but, you you know, I had bad ribs going into that fight. I had a couple of, like, little things bothering me. I hurt myself the very last day of training, which was bloody typical. And it's just been haunting me ever since and, you know, kind of keeping me up at night, you know. So the best way to exercise those demons is to get right back in there, get back in the wing column, eradicate that loss, um, and, and, you know, let's be honest, get paid two paydays for one training camp. So it's a win-win if you ask me. So, yeah, yeah I text Dana. I said, I know a guy that uh, that has no injuries that fought a week ago. And he said, interesting. I text back very. <laughs> 20 minutes later, he gave me a phone call. Uh, Dana was very, um, he said, listen, if you want to do this, you've got to get checked out. We've got to get the medical team to look at you. And, you know, he was actually very concerned about my safety. He said, believe it or not, I like you outside of fighting, so I want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I'm totally fine. He's like, yeah, whatever, Dr. Bisping, we got to get you checked out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's how the fight was made. Mike,
5: you know, I speak a few different languages. I don't think I, I speak savage. Can you understand me? Do you, you, you know what I'm saying <laughs> right now?
3: <laughs> well, fortunately, I speak
5: savage loud and clear. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, you are a savage. Uh, first of all, what do, you, what do you? Before we get into the fight against Kelvin, what did you think about Anderson Silva popping? First of all,
3: ah, uh, you know, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, it, it's disappointing. It really is. I mean, he tests positive once before. We all know about that, um, and just the fact that he did it again. You know, I mean, you know, he's telling his legacy for good now. I mean, he'll probably never ever fight again. That that that's the end of his career. You know, he's probably looking at a four year ban now. And, you know, I, I think he managed uh, to somehow, you know, avoid mass criticism. The last time he tested positive, you know, there was all this, you know, fancy forward that him and his team were doing. But now I, I it, it's it's just undeniable. You know, I mean, of course, they're going to come out, they're going to talk about tainted supplements and all that stuff. It's disappointing, but, you know, it's not surprising. You know, so many people do it in this sport and it's, it's just a sad fact. You know, I mean, where are the real men? Where are the real men that, that that are just willing to fight, you know, that do martial arts and are willing to test themselves with their skill and their courage? Because there doesn't seem to be many of them around.
5: Well, I think we're talking to one right now. But, Mike, listen, you know, your fight against Kelvin, how much do you know about Kelvin? Have you guys trained together? Never trained with you him. You haven't? Okay.
3: Never. I mean, I'm, I don't know anything about Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. I don't know. I Seriously. And I'm not even going to watch any tape of his. <laughs> it, it's just It's just – this isn't about Kelvin Gastelum. This is for right. me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've got nothing against Kelvin. Kelvin, uh, I'm, by all accounts, is a nice guy. I've said hello to him once, I think. Um, nothing to say bad ab- about Kelvin. I'm not going to turn this into a war of words. I'm, I'm not going to talk any trash. I've got nothing bad to say about the guy. I'm not trying to sell pay-per-views. You know, this is about me. Um, you know, listen, I was letting bed the other night on Monday night, and I was just... My wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what the fuck do you think's wrong with me? <laughs> Fucking lost my belt at the weekend. I'm pissed off, you know, yeah. and I can't get over it. I'm a competitor and I like to win. That said, you take it like a man. I'm not a pussy. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep, but I was, you know, a, a little annoyed. I didn't fight to the best of my ability. I had a great training camp. I injured myself the last day of camp and I could have hardly moved uh, my torso. And I was just a little pissed off. Uh, and then when this happened, I'm like, here we go. This is perfect. This gives me a chance at everything, you know. Gives me a chance to get back in there, a chance to get paid again, but more importantly, to get back in the wing column and fight to the best of my ability.
5: So for you, this is more about kind of healing after the loss and just kind of feeling
3: better and kind of erasing uh, that last performance a bit. This is me exercising my demons, my mental demons. So so, uh, Hunter Campbell, he's the UFC's like, head. Um, You know, lawyer, if you will, head of legal. He called me and he, again, once again, again, he was stressing uh, my health. You know, he said, Mike, we need to make sure that you're fine. You know, we can't have you going. I'm like, listen, Hunter, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Physically, I'm great. I said, mentally, mentally, I'm not good. Mentally, I'm pissed off. And the only way I'm going to fix that is by you fighting again ASAP. And this is right there, it's around the corner. I'm in shape. All right, I'm a little bit heavy again. I don't know how the hell I put so much weight on so fast. In fact, I do because I've pretty much lived off uh, restaurants and alcohol for the last seven days. Uh, But, um, um, you know, this this is about me, you know, clearing my head, clearing my mental space and, and just trying to go out there and have a good performance.
4: Michael Bisping with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I do want to spend one minute here, Mike, on the GSP fight because I'd imagine the the quick turnaround and the circumstances surrounding it will make it easier to close the book on that. But you certainly had your chances, man. I mean, the first thing St. Pierre said to you was that fight could have gone either way and that you're the toughest guy he's ever fought. So I don't know if you want to erase this performance necessarily, man. There was a lot of good in there,
3: I thought. Yeah, but that's what everybody keeps saying to me. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't watched it back. Anytime yeah. I see any interviews, I, I I can't watch them. I'm not interested, you know. At the end of the day, I lost the fight. Uh, I wobbled him a couple of times in the second round with the right hand. I felt, oh, I was able to get back to my feet whenever I wanted. In the second round, I was landing some good elbows from my back, and I thought, geez, I'm I'm beating him up pretty good here. But then I thought, of course, you're still losing in the judges' eyes, so it's time to get up. And as soon as I thought that, That was the moment I got up, so I could get up whenever I wanted. I think I let him, uh, I think I overstressed the takedown aspect a little bit. I mean, the first round, the game plan was always to try and be elusive with my footwork so he couldn't set up a shot. Um, You know, that was the plan, but looking back in hindsight, I shouldn't have done that. Looking back in hindsight, I should have, you know, just uh, thrown caution to the wind. But uh, no, no, I, I felt good, I felt great. I could see him gassing in that third round. He had blood pouring all over his face, and he was right. breathing super heavy. And I felt good. You know, we were in a scramble, and he landed a clean left hook, man, that just put me down. He followed up with some nice elbows and got the choking. You know, so you know, God bless him, good for him. You know, I'm I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm taking things away from me. I I I didn't perform as well as I could have done. It was, you know, people say it was a good fight and this and that, but uh, it still stings.
4: Yeah. No, I'm sure it does. All right, real quickly before we let you go, and again, very gracious of you to carve out some time as you go to train. I can't even believe it. So your son, Callum, of course, we've had him as a guest on the show before. We are reaching a new audience, though, now because we're with Fox Sports. So Callum, guys, 16 or 17 years old. I'm not sure he's a monster wrestler, good athlete there in California. Maybe going to test the amateur MMA waters at some point. Mike, but given what you've done in bolstering your legacy – to such an extent over the last two years. I mean, this was a tough act to follow before. Now you're, like, not even giving him a chance with what you've done.
3: <laughs> I love the fact that you always give Callum a shout-out, John. I really appreciate <laughs> that, as will he. Um, you know, I mean, to be honest, uh, I mean, there's, there's many reasons why I'm taking this fight, you know, but ultimately, I, I, I used to work dead-end jobs. I used to work for minimum wage. I used to work for £3.55 an hour. And, and uh, I quit work to become a professional fighter to provide for my family, plain and simple. Um, so, so, you know, another payday so quick. Uh, I mean, I'm still in shape. I'm going to go to spar spa right now with Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, do, do some pad work with Perillo, do a little bit of grappling. But I do this to provide for my family. I'll get a, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm on a great contract, so I get paid well. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I'm doing this I'm trying to set myself up for the future I'll probably have one more fight in London and then call it a day but um, yeah yeah. I mean I do this for my children honestly I don't want Callum to fight uh, you know yeah. I want to take this opportunity to say congratulations to George St-Pierre well done you know well done you, uh, you had a great fight and a good performance and uh, best luck to Callum Gastelum you know I'll, I'll see him next week in China can't even believe I'm saying that But are rallying <laughs> around <laughs> at the minute arranging my visa <laughs> and all yeah. kinds of stuff. So that's a major distraction. But uh, right. yeah, yeah, hopefully tune in on Fight Pass next week and hopefully I'll get the win.
4: All right, my man. Well, I know you don't take compliments all that well, but even taking this fight just adds to your legend and your legacy. Michael Bispin, Kelvin Gaslam, Saturday, November 25th, 7 a.m. Eastern on UFC Fight Pass. Mike, appreciate the time, man. Stay healthy. Hey, Go get the passport fast, so picks and uh, I'll Eastern. see you in Shanghai, What's man. The, but,
3: When do we fight, uh, John? Do you know what time of day It's going to be at night
4: in in Shanghai, so you don't have to worry about that.
3: Michael doesn't care.
5: He really doesn't care. Hey, by the way, Mike, you're undefeated in China, man, so far, right? So good luck. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm undefeated in China. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I'm undefeated in England. Uh, I'm undefeated in title challenges, you know, just not in defenses, so – Right. I don't know. You, you can spin it a lot of positive ways, guys. <laughs> in fact, he's got my ass kicked, but I'm back to the drawing board. That starts with Kelvin.
4: Have fun, brother. Good luck.
3: All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All
4: right, there he is, former UFC middleweight champion Michael Bisping with us on the Anik and Florian podcast. Well, support for the Anik and Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or like Ken flow your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button and in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC, rocketmortgage.com ANIK, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So how about Michael Bisping, Flo? I mean, what else can you say about this guy, right? Just a total inspiration. And not to mention the fact that, you know, he's doing a lot of this, not making a lot of excuses for the rib injury, Kenny, that we heard he sustained, right? But, you know, he's not talking about it. Perillo's not talking about it the eye injury, which has been well-documented. I'm, my twin brother calls me after the GSP fight. He's like, dude, Bisping's got two eyes. He beats GSP in 2017, you know, and there's an argument to be made. So I just don't know that I can can say anything more just about how much I admire this professional athlete and his toughness. I've talked a lot, Kenny, about being their cage side for the Anderson Silva performance. What, maybe the toughest professional athlete I've ever come across, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, 30 pounds or whatever he is over the scale that he's going to make that walk and he'll make weight, you can be sure, 11 days from now.
5: He's a beast. He is a beast, (laughs) man. And a lot of people, you know, he he had his interview with Megan Olivia after the fight and he was like, I'm good to go right now. I I, I could fight right right right. now. And, you know, a lot of people say that right after a fight, but they don't mean it. They're like, oh, actually, two weeks. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going (laughs) to rest up. Mike, no, he wants to fight and he will fight. This dude is is a beast. Um, That's why, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, a lot of people might hate on Michael Bisping, but everybody respects Michael Bisping because he's a guy who's going to show up on fight night. He's going to fight his ass off and he's going to back up what he says. He is a badass. He's going to get in your face. He's going to try to knock you out. He's going to deliver an exciting fight every single time out. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's just so impressive. And, and it's not an easy fight against Kelvin Gastelum. And I don't even think he cares. I, I mean, it could be a grizzly yeah. bear for all he cares. If, he, if right. it's the same weight, he's going to go out there and
4: fight. Yeah. And that's an important point because Kelvin Gastelum, at least in terms of taking on all challenges, is very much cut from the same cloth of Michael Bisbeck. So they could have given him, you know, who (laughs) he thought was the most dangerous 85er on the roster on short notice, and and Gastelum's taken that fight. Uh, As far as Anderson Silva, Kenny, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but out due to this potential USADA violation, his second first one uh, came, I believe, January of 2015. So, I mean, this effectively removes him from from any greatest of all time conversation as far as i'm concerned i I want to give him the benefit of the doubt this is alleged right now so perhaps there's a b sample that that gets him out of dodge here i don't know but uh this unfortunately for him is now a big part of the chapter in the narrative for a guy who really got a lot of us into mma and for a lot of us as we became mma fans at that time he was the greatest we had ever seen It's really
5: unfortunate, man. It really is, especially Anderson Silva. He always portrayed uh, the image of uh, a respectful and humble martial artist. And um, at this point, uh, you know, not only does he effectively remove himself from the conversation of greatest of all time, he effectively removes himself from his career. He will never fight again uh, in the UFC. He's 42 years old uh, with a confirmation from the B sample, which, by the way, uh, is most likely going to be 99.99% Uh, accurate with the a sample so they're in that point zero 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 one or whatever it is uh chance yeah he he, he, i don't i don't know man uh i I don't think the prayers are going to help there but yeah it's most likely going to come back uh positive as well um so yeah it looks like his career is done and 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 again I, i kind of agree with michael is that that first time around you know with all the excuses that he had it cut people kind of glossed over it as much people kind of didn't um maybe make as big of a deal about it uh, as it should and right. and it's tough man because listen you know obviously certain supplements are tainted or certain things are tainted but it just seems like such an easy excuse these days and you know the other thing that we should be thankful for is USADA they are doing their job yeah. they are catching people um and uh We'll see what happens. Goes that you know when we go forward here, uh, in, in the sport. But uh, I would assume that Anderson Silva is done.
4: And I will say too, that the fighters who scream from the rooftops saying that they are clean, right? The Michael Bisping's of the world, the George Saint-Pierre's, Ben Askren, right? They've never popped for anything. Right. You know. So, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I also want to get your thoughts. UFC 218. Frankie Edgar out. I don't know if it was a fractured orbital, uh, but it looked like that was the case Mm -hmm. when I saw him in person there in Norfolk, Virginia. Jose Aldo in, and as far as I'm concerned, you want to give the consensus greatest featherweight of all time a shot to get his belt back. No argument here. You know, Ioana Jacek deserves an immediate rematch. I didn't necessarily feel like Aldo did with Holloway because Frankie Edgar was waiting there in the trenches, but I think this is the fight to make. I think the king of Rio... Uh, and make no mistake about it, this is the king of fucking Rio de Janeiro right now. I think he had some success against Holloway the first time. I think it's a huge ask, Kenny, for any featherweight in the world to beat Max right now. I think Max might be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, but I think it's the right fight, and I'm excited to see it in three weeks.
5: It's unfortunate for Frankie Edgar, and you know this is a guy who most likely has fought fought uh, injured many times before, but when you're talking about the face, when you're talking about a broken orbital, a broken nose, whatever, those aren't things you want to play with. You, you just can't fight. You Your face will never be the same. So yeah. uh, unfortunate news there for Frankie Edgar, the legend, and um, I hope he heals up quickly. Um, this was a good sign to hear Jose Aldo ask for this fight, because for me, I feel like maybe his motivation hasn't always been there. Um, I, I think at this point, he lives a pretty comfortable life in Rio de yeah. Janeiro. Um, And the fact that he was kind of begging for this fight and tweeting and asking the UFC and going to the UFC and wanting this fight ahead of his fight against Ricardo Lamas, where now he has to cut weight, is a very good sign. This is a motivated Jose Aldo. This is a Jose Aldo who wants to challenge himself. This is a Jose Aldo who wants his belt back. Um, and when you look at that fight against Max Holloway, I absolutely agree with you. He was doing phenomenal. The yeah. thing is, he wasn't using all of his weapons. This is a mixed martial artist who can do anything and everything. And the fact that he was just strictly trying to box, I couldn't tell if there was an injury there, with, maybe with his legs, um, right. or if he's kind of fallen in love with his boxing. I know he's been talking about maybe going into professional boxing and this and that, whatever. Yeah. He's got He's got to stick to what he does best. That's mixed martial arts. Um and he's got to throw the elbows, he's got to throw his knees, and he's got to use those kicks. What makes Josie Aldo so good, he gets you worried about the hands, and then he smashes your leg up. Um, he's got to get back to doing that, especially a, um, a guy who utilizes a lot of footwork like a Max Holloway, a guy who's going to be a little bit taller. you got to slow that guy down, and you got to throw leg kicks. So uh, I'm curious to see what kind of tactics and strategy he uses here against Max Holloway, a guy who has proven uh, to be extremely determined. He has an unbelievable chin. He will pressure you, and he also knows how to adapt. So I agree with you. Max Holloway is one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. I put him on my list, and people were going, what's he doing on that list? He has 11 fights in a row. He just beat Jose Aldo, who was undefeated for over 10 years. And another thing that I was surprised on social media, John, was people were saying, you know, I I totally get the Cub Swanson conversation. I would love to see Cub, uh, you know, in there. I think he deserves a a title shot at some point. But how do you deny a guy in Jose Aldo who was the champ for so long? You know, people forget of what he did against Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. Maybe right. he – I mean, defensively, offensively, I haven't seen a performance like that in a very long time. Jose awesome. Aldo looked yeah. like he was at a different level. So the fact that people aren't remembering how good Jose Aldo is, I'm, you know, I'm kind of scratching my head here.
4: Yeah, I agree. And I think you summed it up beautifully. Cup Swanson, of course, has a main event, I believe, in Fresno, California, against T-City, Brian Ortega. Yeah. And if he wins that fight, he's on that short list at 45 yes so yeah cubs worthy sure i think they went in the right direction here with uh, jose aldo and you know a lot of people turned on jose kenny when he pulled out of that first conor mcgregor fight so you're right to lead with the fact that this does change that narrative max holloway is a problem and the yeah. fact that jose aldo wants him on short notice before you know a week or well i guess when was the llamas fight was it the same date or was that in winnipeg or something? it
5: was later yeah it was in okay, winnipeg so, exactly yeah. Yeah.
4: so i like that so uh we'll see what happens and uh Excited for that Detroit show. Very good fight card on paper. You got Ngannou and Overeem there as well. All right, let's get back to this uh, UFC Fight Night recap. By the way, great crowd in Norfolk, Virginia. Sold yeah. out on the campus of Old Dominion University. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that the Madison Square Garden crowd wasn't amazing for UFC 217, but they couldn't help but be loud because the fight card was so good. Mm this crowd added to the fight card period end of story made moments like clay guida's win even bigger than maybe they otherwise would have been uh let's get to matt brown knocks out diego sanchez with a beautiful elbow really one of the better knockouts that people have ever seen i think with an elbow in ufc history so an elbow guy like flo had to like it uh it comes three minutes and 44 seconds into round one and what a way, Kenny, for, for Matt Brown to potentially close the book on what has been an underappreciated career. Uh, big win over Diego Sanchez over the weekend for the Ohio native Matt Brown.
5: Uh, this was uh, just a brutal knockout victory there from Matt Brown. Uh, you know, And I know Diego said that it hit him kind of uh, on the back of the head. It, it looked like it hit him more on the side of the head. And if it did hit him in the back of the head, that's something you can't really uh, avoid. If you're moving your head at the time that the strike is being thrown, it's fair game it it just is that's the way it's going to go down unfortunately for Diego Sanchez now as much as I love seeing the knockout for Matt Brown I hated seeing Diego Sanchez get knocked out as well it's a really tough thing to see and and, you know for me I thought Diego looked great he actually came in at 170 pounds I thought he looked awesome on the scale looked very fit Um, he was trying to take the fight uh, to the mat just could not uh, against Matt Brown a guy who was just brutal in the clinch. Um, Diego actually scored with an excellent body kick that hurt Matt Brown, something that has affected Matt Brown throughout his career, something where he's been vulnerable in the past against other right, fighters. Right. But, you know, Matt's not going to quit, man. You, you saw his his knees buckle for a little bit there. He got right back up, made the adjustments, um, started pressing Diego Sanchez, which made Diego uncomfortable, uh, caught that kick, and from there went into that brutal elbow, man. You're not going to see many better uh, elbow knockouts than that one. Jeez.
4: So May of 2014, we were there in Cincinnati. We referenced this five-round main event against Eric Silva, in fi- a fight in which Matt Brown was touched to the body early, Kenny. And that night, I, I don't even know how he recovered to come back and finish Silva, I think, yeah. in the third round. But now that we have that history, right, you, you just knew that Matt Brown was going to bite down on the mouthpiece yeah. and, and just find every way to stay in that fight. And he does get Diego Sanchez out of there. And in so doing, at least on paper, if my notes are correct, he becomes the most prolific finisher in UFC welterweight history. A lot of that was due to Maybe. longevity, Kenny. But 12 finishes and 14 UFC wins, all at 170 pounds. So he's one ahead of Matt Hughes now. And... When I was doing the post-fight show with you guys, we referenced Chris Lytle, right, and how he went out the right way, the near-perfect way. And at least in terms of the finish of this fight, Matt Brown up the ante, right? So, But show money is a powerful thing. Yeah. And for Matt Brown, with three dependents or four, if you include his wife, right, you may want to try to get that show money at least one time more, you know? And I know, uh, I know Daniel Cormier, Kenny, and I'm sorry to catch you, I know Cormier was— very pro retire uh, on Twitter. Once you invoke that R word to follow through with it, uh, I guess I, I kind of see it a little bit differently on the strength of this performance. If he wants to chase one more show payday, I, I don't have a problem with it.
5: I agree with you, but I, I think for Matt Brown more than anything else, I, I think he realizes he has at least one more fight in him for, for him. I think he's looking at it from a different angle, a slightly different angle. He's saying, do I have another run at the belt? which is something very different. I think for Matt Brown, right. I right. think he understands that if he isn't chasing the belt, perhaps his motivation to train and his motivation to prepare for those fights, I, I think it's greatly diminished. And I think yeah. he realizes yep. that a run is much further out of his reach in that crazy welterweight division. So yeah. I, I think that's where he's coming from. But I absolutely agree with you. I mean, what what other job is going to be able to go out there and get paid like he does and enjoy that? intense feeling of fighting another human being in the octagon there's just not a whole lot of feelings and it you can equate yeah. it a lot to kind of what the military experiences. um you know those special operations soldiers that are so used to living in that intense environment and they come back and everything seems like it's in slow motion um, it, it's hard to get that same kind of a, adrenaline, that same kind of high that you experience yeah. in winning and competing in the octagon. It was something. Yeah. It was very difficult for me uh, when I retired. So right. I, I hope Matt Brown, whatever he decides to do, he, he does it um, and uh, and and does it with uh, with happiness. He he makes a, a decision that he's not forced to do, but a decision that he wants to do.
4: Yeah, Kempfle retired. He didn't text me back for like a year. You know, I it's a hard <laughs> transition uh and maybe made easier for matt brown by the fact that he has a a baby girl and those two twin boys and even if he does go out kenny and lose this next fight which by the way would be his 40th pro fight no one can take that diego sanchez moment away from him and his sons no one can take the eric silva moment away from him but whatever he was chasing against diego sanchez literally couldn't have drawn it up any better and he has that moment so congratulations to the immortal matt Brown. Congratulations also to Andre Arlovsky, who ends the five-fight skid. He said in our post-fight interview that he would have retired if he didn't get the better uh, of Junior Albini this night, and he did. I think there's angles on both of these guys. Albini's performance, I thought, was listless, right? I just don't think he brought very much to the table, didn't appear to be particularly conditioned, invoking the towel to make 265 and one-half pounds. Uh, But for Andre Arlovsky, Kenny, his coaches have been screaming in my ear for two years that his skills haven't regressed. And even though maybe they have a little bit, uh, he still went out there and beat a credentialed UFC heavyweight who was in the top 15 and who came in having won his last 10. So Pitbull still finding a way, kid.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's surprising is that Albini didn't break the internet with those diaper shorts. What
4: was going <laughs> on, John, with the shorts? Oh man. So I what gotta happened? tell you. So I I try not to have to go take a piss during the telecast, but <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't get through. So w- during Junior Albini's walk, I was actually in the restroom. So I didn't I came out and I'm like, oh, dude's wearing a fucking diaper, you know? So I didn't <laughs> know if Paul Felder had addressed that during uh... the walk or not. But Paul's just looking at me like, bro, do you see this? Like, what is going on? So yeah, I mean, I think we 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 talked about it, right? I I said Paul Felder is going to request the same diaper in Detroit in three weeks, um, but it it was a distraction. Uh, thankfully, it didn't it didn't totally dominate the fight for us. But I imagine you sitting on that desk, you had you had some fun with the. Uh, he thought
5: thing. he thought it was a sumo fight. What, what's going <laughs> yeah. on? Uh, yeah. it, it was entertaining, hard to focus. But um, listen, Albini, <laughs> man, he looked like the guy who was. Um, the veteran who wasn't very motivated, who's had a lot of fights in the octagon. There was no pep in his step. There there was no uh, passion in the way that he fought. He just seemed way too calm and wasn't throwing enough and just kind of forcing a knockout. This was not a junior Albini that I had hyped up on the pre-show, I tell you that, because um, I think Albini has a ton of skills, a ton of talent. He does. He moves very well. I don't know if it's his trainers, I don't know if he had an injury, I I don't know, you know, the the jet lag, who knows what the issue was, but this is not the Junior Albini that that I knew. and for Arlovsky, what a performance, man. I, th- this was an Arlovsky that was dancing, getting in, getting out. He looked motivated. He looked like he had a game plan. He looked like he had some very good tactics. Um, did yeah. a great job of keeping his hands up, something that uh, maybe has been a vulnerability of his in the past, um, especially you know, given that excellent left hook from Albini. That was the only thing yeah. Albini really was throwing that was dangerous. And Arlovsky was very well prepared for it. Uh, did a great job of showing variety. Sometimes Arlovsky has um, fallen in love with his boxing a little bit too much. Not the case here. He he was really yeah. ut- utilizing every single weapon uh, that he had. Awesome to see. Arlovsky, one of the good guys in this sport, former heavyweight champion, um, showing that, hey, he still wants some more fights in the UFC.
4: And I think Mike Brown has certainly been a stabilizing force in that corner for a while. Of course, Andre was with Jackson Wink MMA. Now he lives in South Florida uh, as I mentioned, our kids go to the same preschool. So it'll be exciting for the first time in a couple of years to walk in there to do pickup and be able to congratulate Andre Arlovsky. Mm. And uh, for Junior Albini, I think, you know, you put it well, man. I, I Far be it for me to sit here and say a guy didn't put in a hard training camp, but, you know, he made 70000 or so from his last fight. This was a guy whose daughter previously, you know, was playing with shampoo bottles for toys. And yeah. he talked a lot with me on the phone very articulately last Tuesday, a day after our show, about how much he was able to change his life and how much it meant to his wife and everything else. And uh, I don't know. Oftentimes, Kenny, that can propel a guy and make them super hungry to 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 go on and do great things. And this was a step back for Junior Albini. We'll see uh, what his next UFC appearance holds. A lot of big winners, man, to get here, uh, get to here. I'm having a hard time figuring out which guy to go to. I like Cesar Fajeda's call out of uh, of Paulo Costa. I think that is an interesting fight and whenever there's that bad Brazilian blood Kenny, you know it's interesting, but I quickly want to talk to you about the elbow from Nate Marquardt. Right. How about you land an elbow right at the end of a fight? The final strike you throw gives a guy a fucking souvenir for life.
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. A scar for life, man, right yeah. at the bell. I talk about making every strike count. Mark White snuck that one right in there and made it Oh, dude. Because he was was cut right as well, and I think he wanted to return the favor, and boy, did he return the favor.
4: Uh, Rafael Assuncao with one of the biggest moments uh, of a UFC career that doesn't get the love that it deserves here. He knocks out Matthew Lopez and then holds back the final hammer fist, right? I don't know what was more impressive, the finish or his ability to hold that strike back. And I saw, interestingly, Kenny, some people talking about Walt Harris a couple weeks ago, yeah. his inability to hold that kickback against right. Mark Godbeer, juxtaposed against the Asuncao's restraint here. Uh, certainly a conversation to be had there, but huge win for Rafael Asuncao. And, and this is really what he needed, Kenny. It had been a long time since he had really put away a guy like this. And uh, Asuncao's got a big one next for sure, I would think.
5: Rafael Asuncao, the guy that nobody wants to fight at 135 yeah. pounds. This guy... Right. Talk about a problem, man. He's got knockout power in both of his hands. Those kicks, dude? Like, I mean, he tattooed the inside of that leg of Lopez. And Lopez is tough. He's a big 35er, obviously. Actually, didn't make 35 for this one. Um, So... Yeah, an excellent wrestler, you know, and obviously for a lot of jiu-jitsu guys, that the toughest matchup is a wrestler striker. That is the toughest matchup. A Sun south showed that he can wrestle, he can strike, he can submit you, he can really do it all in that division, and... Um, you know, this is a guy that people kind of sleep on, and Asuncio, all he has been doing is essentially winning. He has a win over TJ Dillashaw, and of course, that was a fight that really could have gone either way. But uh, Asuncio, I think, should get that title shot pretty soon. He, he he's extremely impressive, um, and, and unfortunate for Lopez, this had to be a learning experience for Lopez, both in the fight and in preparation uh, for that weight cut. Uh, not not good for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I was just blown away by a Asuncao's performance. And, um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see who they match up, match him up with next.
4: The the Bantamweight division is outstanding right now. Jimmy Rivera, I think, has won his last 20, and, and yeah. he's going to be with us in the next couple of weeks. I was texting with him last night. But he's deserving, Kenny. But at least in terms of the UFC body of work, Rafael Asuncao would appear to be hard to deny. I mean, he's 10-1 mm-hmm. and one at 135 pounds, the only loss – by unanimous decision, as you mentioned, to the current champion T.J. Dillashaw. That was a UFC 200 and snapped a seven-fight win streak. So the knock on a Sun Sao had been maybe that, oh, he's not taking fights or staying healthy to take fights or he's not putting guys away. Now he's been super active, three fights in 2017, fighting guys that maybe people don't race to the window to fight, like Aljamain Sterling and Marlon Marais. He also referenced with me the fact that both of those fights were wins by split decision and needed something more definitive. Certainly got that here against Matthew Lopez. So no argument for me if a title fight is next for Rafael Assuncao. Dominic Cruz, of course, is hurt, so that maybe opens a door for some of these guys potentially. What about a fight between a Asuncao and Cody Garbrick? I mean, as a championship eliminator, I mean, Oof. there's, you know, TJ Dillashaw might go man. to 25, so we'll see what happens.
5: Dude, that fight would be ridiculous. I just got, man, I just got chills thinking about that one. That, that would be an amazing fight, uh, and I think it's a fight that makes a lot of sense, John.
4: All right, another fight on the main card uh, between a couple of Ken Flo's former victims. Clay Guida gets Joe Lozon out of there in 67 seconds and here's another guy who needed a finish in the worst way and who looks amazing i think back at 155 pounds and at 35 years old a few seconds i think before he put joe Lozon on away i I said on the broadcast his last ufc finish kenny january 1st 2011 a submission of takanori gomi it had been a long time and, and for guida to do it in this setting with so much fan support was just a really cool moment for the Carpenter.
5: It really was because I was kind of seeing a little bit of a disturbing trend in Clay Guido where, again, I didn't see any evolution in his game. And if you're fighting at 155 pounds or 145 pounds against all those killers, man, you got to constantly be able to reinvent yourself uh, as a fighter. Clay has been around a very long time. Um, And since making the switch over to Team Alpha Male, this looks like a different guy, man. I like the way he's shooting in on his takedowns now. He's being way more deceptive. I I think he's become um, a more effective striker as well. He's not as wild. He's more technically sound. Um, And obviously hitting hard. I mean, caught Joe Lozon with a a beautiful hook. uh, Then finished him off with another right hand. uh, Or or it was an uppercut, I think, maybe. Uh, But, man, uh, Clay Guida looked phenomenal and and awesome to see. Clay Guida is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. His family is amazing. Uh, Yeah, so I I was really happy to see Clay get the win uh, over Joe Lozon, who is another awesome guy in the sport. Um, So, uh, man, uh, uh, Clay continues to uh, impress um, and for Joe Lozon, uh, now I'm seeing a Joe Lozon that really just hasn't evolved in a very, very long time. He's always tough. He's always dangerous. But I, I want to see new skills from Joe Lozon. Joe yeah. Lozon, if he wants to continue to fight here and fight at a high level, I- I'd love to see him integrating so- some new things. I don't, I don't know if it's maybe um, getting a, a different uh, take on striking or, or wrestling, yeah. whatever it is. But I think we need to see something new from
4: Joe here. He does have that inner circle that he relies on greatly. But he did say to us, and I wish I had my card handy, that he did get some – oh, you know what? So what he did do during this camp, Kenny, was basically on Saturdays at Lausanne MMA, he had all of the the local UFC guys, Andre Sukumtot, Rob Font, Calvin Cater, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, had a lot of different people to try to get different looks because he said he had gotten a little bit stagnant with all of the same training partners. So that helped him. But I think you're right. Big focus on cardio for this fight, and unfortunately the fight lasted one of a possible 15 minutes. But you're right, I think going forward, some new looks uh, would work well for Joe Lozon. All right, so quickly a couple things on the prelims on FS1, and and you can shout out anybody you want to here, Kenny. Marlon Marais, (laughs) excuse me, by split decision over John Dodson, maybe he'll get the Jimmy Rivera fight. You don't think Mick Maynard's getting a lot of calls uh, from women wanting to fight Tatiana Suarez, Kenny, um, especially after what she did to Viviani Pineda. Super Sage Northcutt. I know a lot of people think eventually he's going to work his way to a UFC title fight, and I might actually believe that after what he did against Mitchell Quinones. Nina Ansaroff, the best she's ever looked, against the best she's ever looked, I thought against Angela Hill. So Ansaroff, Northcutt, Suarez, Mairis. Who gets the love from the flow here Monday morning?
5: How about all of them? I mean, Ansaroff look, <laughs> looked, looked awesome, looked very versatile uh, on the feet. Uh, I thought she looked way more confident than we've seen her. And, uh, of course, a lot of people at American Top Team have been singing her praises, so good to see her uh, get the result. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is going to be a problem going forward. Anytime you can wrestle at that high of a level, you're going to be tough to deal with. Um, so I, I expect her to be a problem for a lot of people in her weight class. Um, Marais,
3: Shaw Shelby, where's Shaw Shelby?
5: <laughs> Couldn't find the camera.
4: Shaw Shelby, but say, trying to trying to help the guy. <laughs> yeah,
5: I know that was that was nice of you by the way, pointing where the camera was. Uh, yeah, you know, listen, Marais, he is an absolute beast, man. I mean. How about that for a welcome? Uh, you coming into the UFC, fighting those guys. Junior Assuncao in your first fight, okay? I, I actually thought he did Coffee, win that fight.
4: Look at you giving Junior Assuncao some love.
5: Yeah, no, and Asuncao's a Assuncao, he's a beast. But listen, I actually thought he beat a Assuncao. I thought he edged him out by a hair. Uh, yeah. But again, any time... Uh, a decision goes one way or the other like that when you get a fight like you can't really complain. But, um, yeah, Marais to come back and fight a guy like Dotson uh, and look as aggressive as he was, I thought he took his foot off the gas against the Cell. In this fight, yeah. not the case. He was right. he was present the whole time. He was trying to win the whole time. He was going for the finish. Even, you know, the, the heel hooks, he was completely out of position. But at least he was trying to get it. He was trying to get the guillotine choke. He was moving forward. He seemed like he had that pep in his step. Um, And seem motivated. So that was awesome to see Um, what a division that has become, man. 135. That might be the second or third
4: toughest division in in, in the UFC, period. Yeah. Might have the best top 20 if you go 20 deep of any UFC division. Um, And all right, you got 30 seconds for me on Super Sage Northcutt. I know we have been told by Tyron Woodley for years how impressed he was. I think this is a good alignment with Team Alpha Male. I I don't know if I should ask you how high the ceiling is for Sage Northcutt, but at least in terms of this challenge and what he's done over the last 11 months, he is tonsil-free like you are, Flo. Uh, Pretty impressive. I was very impressed with him. Listen,
5: this is a guy who's 21 years old. We have to remind ourselves of that. 21 years old. Uh, I was an idiot at 21 years old. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You were 21 when he was born. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Literally. Uh, So the fact that he's 21 in the UFC is unbelievable. Uh, and I think he's going to develop. These are the kind of fights that he should be getting. If you want to build up a star, don't rush him. Give give him some good fights that, that can you know, build his experience uh, fighting at this level. I thought this was a good fight for him. I think he's putting it together well. Whatever they're doing over at Team Alpha Male, keep doing it. You guys are doing a great job.
4: All right, if you want anything else on the Norfolk, Virginia show, we'll continue that conversation all week on Twitter, at Kenny Florian. Maybe you get a reply from the flow. We'll see. Better bet probably at John underscore Anik uh, in terms of getting that reply. But I love you. All right, well, another FS1 UFC fight night coming up this weekend. Land down under Sydney, Australia. Uh, Let's make some picks. Let's get to the main event challenge.
1: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian.
3: I finished fight. I'm going to do everything possible
1: to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
4: All right, Team Florian led Team Anik. 83-74 going into UFC Norfolk. The flow went head-to-head with Virginia local Kyle Harris. So Kyle texted me because he thought he beat Kenny (laughs) head-to-head. Kyle did correctly predict Dustin Poirier. He even had the third round right. Uh but you did not beat the Flow Kyle. Oh, I apologize. Wow. I know you're listening right now with your buddies. You didn't beat Kenflow. You tied 4-4. Kenflow picking up points on the Brown Sanchez fight. Guida Lozon Dodson Marice. Um so the lead is now 87 to 78. Uh with just a few cards still to go before I get punished with a Vegemite sandwich and joining us to make picks today. Another podcast listener, Coral Springs, Florida. Jonathan Zacek is with us. Did I get your name right, sir?
6: Well, I bet you didn't think you'd have a pronunciation of the week segment going on, but <laughs> yeah. nailed it. Oh, and it State does ch- it again.
4: Unbelievable. I didn't ask. I thought about asking for phonetics. I figured it was tough enough with our, our, our gracious board operator, Ben Wisorek, right? That was enough for, for one week. All right, Jonathan, uh, let's get to it here. Um, have you always wanted a chance, by the way, to talk to Kenny Florian? Is that is that a big deal to you or not necessarily?
6: Very big deal, and I also wanted to tell him, I finished fight picks. I'm going to do <laughs> everything possible to win. <laughs> I Love it. It. All right, well,
5: Jonathan. Your, your voice wasn't high to... enough, Jonathan. You got to – I finished fights. It's more like yeah, that. Yeah.
4: Raise yeah. that an octave. All right, <laughs> so UFC is going to be in Sydney, Australia this weekend. Kenny, you, you working the desks this weekend? You, you cashing those checks again or what? No, I, uh, I got it off. I got it off. Finally week. a week off, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to Shanghai for Thanksgiving, so I will not be there as well. We Dang. got four picks for you, though, in total today. Uh, We'll do analysis on three of them, fellas, and then we'll get a quick pick on the way out. So first up, Elias Theodoro, the minus 210 favorite. Most overrated hair game in the business. He takes on Daniel Kelly, who is plus one sixty. So Theodoro lost his last fight to Brad Tavares. That was in July. Eighth appearance overall here for Theodoro. He takes on the four-time Australian Olympic judoka, Daniel Kelly, actually a judo coach for the Australian Olympic team in Rio back in 2016. And Daniel Kelly, six and two in the UFC, is coming off that loss to Derek Brunson, guys. That ended though a four-fight winning streak that saw him beat the likes of Rashad Evans and Shoeface antonio carlos jr so theodoro the two-to-one favorite here versus kelly jonathan who is the pick to click
6: so we have a battle of tough nations housemates here and daniel kelly's come a long way since getting um, bludgeoned by sheldon westcott on the show i think elias plays it safe here we're in kelly's home country he tried to keep the distance and be patient but elias's takedown defense won't be enough to stop the judo adan kelly Every time I choose against Kelly, he proves me wrong, so let's go with right. the dog here. It may not be the prettiest, but Daniel Thomas Kelly by clear, unanimous decision.
4: I like this John Zaychek kid already, I can tell yeah, you. right? where it's are like, you, you even...
5: these guys? These guys are like professional analysts. <laughs> but,
4: dude, <laughs> what the hell? dude I, I got to tell you, though, man, right? Like, you just don't – like, you don't even need to make a case. If you're betting on Daniel Kelly, we don't even need sound analysis. I understand. You've probably bet against him at one time <laughs> right. and been burned, Right. 100%. Bet against Daniel Kelly at your own peril. Yeah. I'm telling you. That being said, Ken Flo, Elias Theodoro is the favorite here. Which way you going?
5: Well, Jonathan really said a lot of it. I'll make it quick. Theodoro gets the clinch a lot. That That's a, a big part of his game is getting to the clinch, using his strikes, not really to knock you out, but to get to the clinch. That is Kelly's world. That's where Kelly has messed up a lot of guys. He'll foot trip you. He'll throw you. Um, he has crazy hips. Um, and I, I think he has the striking to
4: contend with someone like uh, Elias. So I'm going with Kelly as well. Unbelievable two underdog plays for Daniel Kelly. Uh, he's 40 years old right now, and incredible. All right, Tim means business. <laughs> to that end, he is the minus 190 favorite here against Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. Come back on Muhammad about plus 150. Uh, John, really like this welterweight matchup, man. I would imagine you do too. Uh, Who do you like, Bilal Muhammad as the dog or, or the favorite Tim Meats?
6: Now, this is a tough one. I can see this fight playing out in so many ways, but I think it ends up similar to the Randy Brown and Jordan Meehan fights for Bilal. He's taking on the bigger, longer fighter, but his grit and toughness will be enough, so I'm going with Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad by close unanimous decision in the fight of the night. Ooh,
4: I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some bonus money after this one. So Muhammad has been busy. Sixth UFC fight, Kenny, in 17 months with the promotion. Two straight wins, Randy Brown, Jordan Meehan, both of them by decision. Both of them here in 2017, actually. On the other side, Tim Means Business coming off a June win over Alex Garcia after that two-fight series with Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Good fight. Which side you on, kid?
5: Listen, I, I don't know if Jonathan's going to ace the test here, but he definitely did his homework. I, I like it. You know, Tim Means, this, this pains me because I'm a Tim Means fan. I, I love his knees and elbows from the clinch. Um, he's going to be the taller man, certainly, against Bilal Muhammad. But I think Bilal Muhammad ha- has figured himself out, all right? He knows what works for him in the octagon now. I think he's um, now feeling like a veteran in there. Um, and and like, like Jonathan said, uh, you look at his last couple fights, um, I, I think they're kind of similar fights uh, to a Tim Means. Um, Bilal is going to get right in Means' face. He needs to avoid that clinch. It's going to be difficult, but I think Muhammad gets it done.
4: All right, a couple oh, of man, underdog picks out God. of the shoot. I, I know Jonathan's promoting the fact because he came he came strong with a couple of underdog plays today and, and doesn't have a chance to pick up points. Ugh. All right, my main five. event, Fabricio Verdum, the prohibitive favorite here, minus 265 against the plus 185 underdog Marcin Tabora. So Verdum, as many of you know, was to face the Black Beast Derek Lewis last month at UFC 216. Instead, he got the day of replacement Walt Harris, promptly got the big ticket out of there by submission in 65 seconds. Then a few days later, Kenny, he gets the call to step in here for Mark Hunt against Tibora the Polish heavyweight who has won three in a row. Last win for him over Andrzej Orlovsky in Singapore back in June. So Jonathan, Verdum, Tibora, heavyweight main event. Who will it be and ultimately how do they get it done?
6: I wish I could take the upset for you here, but I don't think this is a spot for that. We have one of the best heavyweights of all time who hasn't shone, shown much sign, if any, of slowing down. I think there'll be a bit of a feeling out process, but as soon as Verdum gets a hold of him, he gets him down, and we have a Walt Harris-esque type fight. Neither man breaks a sweat. Easy payday for Verdum. Back to the drawing board for Marcin. 323 of round one
5: for Vicavallo,
6: oh. Vajcavalo-Verdum by rear naked choke. Hey. Go
5: horse, baby. Hey, I like how he gave the actual time in the round. I mean, jeez.
4: Hey, I mean, We're chasing points, Ken Flo. He can yeah. give us a time, too. Uh, hey. Verdum, Tabora, do you, do you see it playing out similarly or what?
5: Well, you know, Tabora is one of those guys you don't want to sleep on, right? Anytime you go in there overly confident, you got to be very careful. And Tabora, uh, he's a big boy, man. He hits very, very hard. He's going to be a little bit bigger uh, than Verdum. Um, a little bit longer uh, of, uh, of a reach as well, I believe. Um, so for, for Marcin, I, I think it's a tough fight for him. Even if he's able to stop that takedown against Verdum, I think Verdum's probably the better striker. This is Verdum's fight to lose. Um, I think Verdum gets it done. Uh, let's go with
4: a submission round two. All right, Verdum submission round two. So potentially an opportunity for a point there on the round. Um, all right, finally, just need a quick pick on this one, guys. Jake Matthews, minus 175. Bojan Valichkovic plus 135. I, You know, Matthews needs this win here, Kenny. You know, yeah. this has been one of the guys that they've tried to build around in Australia. He's lost two straight, last of which a split decision setback against Andrew Holbrook about a year ago in Melbourne. Uh, Valichkovic one win in his last four, so a big one for him as well. Went the distance not all that long ago Darren with Till. the gorilla Darren Till. That was uh, September in Rotterdam. Uh, Jonathan, who do you like here? The dog, Velichkovich, or the favorite Jake Matthews at home?
6: got to go with the home favorite the Celtic kid Jake Matthews
4: all right the Celtic kid Jake Matthews Ken Flo you going the same way yeah man I'm going
5: with Matthews sorry I couldn't go a different route but yeah that's that's my pick
4: all right there it is Jonathan Zaychuk man great stuff yeah I I, I get in trouble for saying Celtic I go Celtic kid I guess but uh great job nonetheless my man uh thank you for your time today appreciate you supporting the show and uh Hey, man, you beat Ken Flo head-to-head, we'll be sure to have you back. So thanks for the time, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
6: All right, thanks, John. Kenny, Fox Sports, hopefully I see you guys in Orlando on the 24th of February.
4: Thanks, homie. Yes, I hope so, too. Hopefully the flow will come down here, come visit his, his nieces in Boca Raton, <laughs> Florida. That's right. Um, all right, good stuff for the Main Event Challenge. That is all coming your way on FS1 this Saturday night from Sydney, Australia. Let's get to Ray Long.
1: Time for the Ray Longo Minute. I am going to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute, starring Ray Longo, the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
4: Is that you, Ray?
1: That is me, waiting
2: patiently. Ah,
4: <laughs> oh, you are a patient man. So, thank on you for the time, iPhone, as always, on my, on my, my friend.
2: IPhone six. Just to be clear about that, so he does oh, have, have an got iPhone. The iPhone six.
4: Hey, so so yeah. do you have FaceTime? Do you know what FaceTime is, Ray?
2: I've heard about it, but I don't, I don't really participate. <laughs> but I think All I, right. I, I could pull it off. I see it come up on my phone every so often. I just refuse to pick up whoever's FaceTiming me. <laughs> All right, well, next for you, week. For you two guys, that FaceTime will be flying off the handle. <laughs> All right, well,
4: well, if you can get what's called a Wi-Fi password and get on this Wi-Fi system next week, when, when Ben Wasora calls well, why, well, why do you. Have
2: to, why do you have to complicate everything? Now a well, Fi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what? Can't you just call me, FaceTime me? We want, face. we, we want to see your uh, face. We want to see the baby the, blues. Uh, next, next week you're getting a full face. All right. There all right. we go.
4: Can't wait. Go tanning or something. We want you to look good. So next week you will see Thank Ray tanning. Longo in all his glory on video. Uh, this week you'll just have yeah, to settle for the audio. And if you're going to UFC 218 in Detroit, gonna to have to settle for Paul Felder versus Charles Oliveira because Raising Ally Quinta uh will not be making this walk. Ray, I know you've known this for quite some time. Uh too bad that Al will be unable to continue the momentum he established against Diego and, and make the walk here in a few
2: weeks. Yeah, horrible man. I really was looking forward to that fight. I thought it was a great matchup for the fans. Two guys that are gonna go forward and fight and uh man, he's just struggling with some injuries, you know, and I still you know he still comes to the gym. He's still trying to work through it but just to get him through a proper training camp with all the different, you know, facets that that are involved is really he's got to have he's really has to be 100 percent healthy and that that we're not seeing.
5: Hey Ray, uh, I'm sure you heard the news about Anderson Silva uh, testing positive. Um, we don't know exactly what it is yet. Um, it was out of competition uh, drug test, so you, you know you can assume certain things. Uh, but this is the second right. time that he's been flagged. Um, you know, it's very rare that a B sample is ever going to be different than the A sample. Um, what, what did you think about that news?
2: Yeah, you know, it's 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 disturbing. You know, especially in light of everybody else, and you know, just listening to these poor guys, you know, just bullshit and deny. and they just they're just not true with themselves. And it, it, it's it's sad. It's not good. Everybody was looking forward to that fight, and you know, I get it. You know, he's getting older. You want an edge, but, you know, unfortunately, man, it's against the rules and you can't do it. And It, it kind of stinks because I really think he's blowing his legacy with this shit. I yeah. really do Yeah. And uh, that's where the story gets sick because, you know, I, I think probably the only people that care about his legacy are his fans. I don't think he really cares. And he's going to do what he wants to do. I think these guys get to a point, they become champions, and arrogance sets in, and they feel like they can – do whatever they want. They're making money for the organization, and they're going to do whatever it takes to, you yeah. know, do what they want. I think you, you saw it with Conor. He didn't want to. He didn't want to take no for an answer going in that octagon. So he went berserk. Yeah. And it's <laughs> the same thing on a different level. They just don't. They they can't take. You know, everybody wants an edge. Nobody wants to listen to anybody. Nobody wants to follow the rules. It, 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 it was bad. I was very disturbed by it. And you know Chris fought him twice. i thank right. God he beat him twice. But you know, right, right now, you know, I know my guys they are all clean, and I and they and if they did something, they're not going to tell me. But uh, right now, I could tell you that they're, they're, they're all clean, and they know they. I think they pride themselves on playing by the rules, and and that's the way it should be. You know, I think I just hope there's not other camps that are you know facilitating this type of behavior. That's that's what scares me. It's not yeah. like the guy doing it it would be like me encouraging Weidman or Aljo to do something. And I hope that's not happening. But at the end of the day, man, it's a bad reflection on the athlete. It's a bad reflection on the coaches. And it's a bad reflection on the sport.
5: So, Ray, Anderson's out. Michael Bisping is in just a couple weeks removed from his last fight against GSP. Is this the right decision for Michael to go in there against a tough guy like Kelvin?
2: A hundred percent. Absolutely unequivocally the worst decision this guy's making <laughs> in his life oh. right now. I mean, and I like Bisping. I think he's I think another guy's too tough for his own good, and I think the athletic commission should step in here and say, "You know what? I don't know, you got knocked down in the last fight a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how New York's clearing him for that, but uh i he i I'm saying it's an unwinnable fight for him. I'm saying Kelvin wow. can dictate where that fight goes. You know that guy's coming forward. You've seen him steamroll over other guys at one eighty five. The guy hundred percent comes to fight. He's I, I, it's just, I, I'm saying that's an unwinnable fight for Mike, and I don't know why he would jump in on that short time. You know, I mean Gaston's got a cast iron chin, got great wrestling, he's great in the scrambles, he's hard to hold. I don't know where he wins that fight.
4: Oh, I know where he wins when that direct deposit clears.
2: <laughs> i guess but you know where he's going to lose though john is when he can't see out of his eye anymore and he's going to regret it you know what i mean right. so i think you know again he's fighting the Southport. gsp just told you he was he they they, they kind of isolated his uh right side of his head you know that's what they were attacking they thought maybe he had a vision problem yep. he, you know, right. i think he openly said that and now you're going against the Southport that He's not afraid to step in the pocket and throw, and he's coming forward. He's not going backwards. This guy, and I just think it's a. I I was I was a little, like uh, confused with that decision, man. This guy's got nothing to prove.
4: Yeah, and and we had heard yeah. about a rib injury before the Saint Pierre fight and the pain that he was in, but of course you didn't hear any of that from his team, and they weren't making excuses. He actually brought it up with us here on this show earlier today, um, but he feels like he is ready to go and. You know, I guess, Ray, he just kept talking about the bad taste he has in his mouth with St. Pierre. And, you know, he said, my wife's like, hey, honey, you doing OK? And he's like, you know, just because I bite the bullet and do my media or whatever else, like he's pissed, Ray. He was the middleweight champion 10 days ago. And the fighter in him just wants in some way to to right that wrong, even if maybe physically health wise, it's against his better judgment.
2: Yeah, I know. But again, I think that's why I say we know he's a tough guy. We know he's a fighter. You know, he proves that over and yeah. over again is absolutely nothing to prove and at the end of the day three or four or five hundred grand honestly what you know like you don't realize this stuff but when you get older man your health health is wealth that's the first thing you know what i mean so you could have five hundred thousand you could have three million in the bank and you can't get out of bed in the morning you trust me when i tell you this you're not going to give a shit about the money it has nothing you will beg for your health at any cost And I think that's where I'm struggling with this. The guy has nothing to prove. I don't care what his direct deposit is, and I wish he didn't care either because I'm sure he's financially set as it is. You know, and he's doing movies, he's got the analyzing, he's got different options it looks like. Why do this against a young guy? How old is Gaston? Now he's probably still not even 27, 28.
4: Right. Yeah, right around there. That
2: kid's tough, man. That kid is tough. At 170, he's tough at 185. Yeah. Yeah, so I just I don't like the it's match not an easy form. fight, I that's really for don't.
4: sure. Yeah, no, and I think Probably you hit good. on a lot of of good points there. Um, all right, we'll let you go with this. Were you able to watch the uh, the main event over the weekend between Dustin Poirier and Anthony Pettis?
2: Yeah, yes, I was. I I, I don't miss anything that you're
4: commentating <laughs> on. I appreciate but
2: nothing. That. I'm a team player.
4: I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> so what? So uh, what? Do you think, man? I mean, obviously, a lot of different layers and angles to it but uh huge win yeah, biggest I, of his career for uh for the diamond poirier
2: yeah great win for dustin poirier i agree with kenny i mean first thing is i always when you're a champion because you know like again the he alluded to even chris i mean i all i could say is that it's hard it's, it's always hard to prove this but it always comes down to mindset and mentality yeah it's more than the technique
1: yeah but i
2: will agree with with uh um you know, with Kenny with the takedown defense. Everything else, I mean, the guy we know his stand up is good. He's got great timing. Um, I think Duke was on the money. He's gotta to put together punches a little better, not just look for one shot. I think when you've had some of those highlight real knockouts, that's what happens. You start yeah. thinking you could pull that off any time and before you know it, you know, that the fight's over and you and you know, you didn't throw enough volume. But the takedowns against the cage should definitely be addressed, but Man, there's something, man, when you get off track as a champion. And, and Kenny, you you were saying it, and I agree, and I don't know what the answer is, and I've been involved in it. But even Johnny Hendricks, man, you can't. And, again, like Johnny, let me finish that. Johnny Hendricks is struggling. You know, Pettis is struggling. Chris was struggling. He got back on track with with Kelvin. But there's got to be something. You know it. Like some guys are, like, you know, good fighters. They become a champion. They become great fighters. It's not technique. It's just the belief in themselves that what they can do and how they got there, and they just ride that. And if you lose that belief, if you get distracted or you lose your focus in a sport like this with as many good fighters that are hungry to take what you have, you're doomed. Yep. And I think, you know, that was a big opportunity. I think it was a bigger opportunity for Poirier to make, you know, to to jump up to where he wants to be. And Pettis has already been there, you know, so it might have yeah. just been another fight mm-hmm. for him. That could have been the difference in the fight. You know, I don't think technically, you know, he was doing good. And if he didn't pop that rib or whatever he did, we don't know if he would have won that fight. But it definitely wasn't the Anthony Pettis we were hoping to see, I don't think.
4: Yeah. All right, my man. Great stuff as always. Aljo's got Ronnie Yaya coming up in Fresno. Seemed like he did go public trying to campaign for the Jimmy Rivera fight. But uh, Rivera maybe not taken, huh? Uh, yeah, maybe, it on that?
2: But, maybe it happens.
4: Maybe so it happens. Who knows? Ooh, I might have struck a nerve here. Kenny and Ray's got super weird there, guys.
2: What did he say? Wait, what happened?
4: <laughs> I said maybe it
2: happens. Who knows? Maybe, you know? They're... Yeah, maybe, maybe it happens. Yeah. I think uh, I think you guys should do some research. I think that Yaha fight might be in <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey,
4: See? I'm on it. What, we'll what let kind you of go. I got to go. So I got to go hit the you guys?
2: <laughs> I was just like, trying to I'm, be quiet. Not, you know what I feel like? I feel like a snitch out on the street. You got to come me. Like, like
5: Even Logo, when they arrest that's...
2: somebody, they got to rely on the snitch. Lago, I mean, you're our on. inside. I want to be that guy. You're our
5: inside man. That's a, that's that's another reason why we talk
4: to you, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, and get, and yeah, get ready some, ne- I next, do, next. I do some research on December 9th. That's all I'm going to say.
4: All right, I'm going to go do that research, and uh, I'm asking you about Chris Weidman's thumb in seven days, so get ready.
2: <laughs> all right, David. <definitely. laughs> okay, and I'll be, I'm going to tell you something. I'm so excited for this FaceTime. It's <laughs> oh. Yes. I'm going to call in all my IT people right now. When hey. I get off the phone, we're having a meeting. We're, we're going to set, send
5: it's hair and makeup now. to you as well, Ray. Hair and makeup <laughs> as well, okay?
2: Hair and makeup That's well, definitely. I might come from... This next week, I might be in a trailer.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Star Wagon. Here we go. I, I guess, uh, exactly I guess right. Matt,
4: Matt, Matt Sarah right, does man. not double as a network engineer, huh?
2: <laughs> all right, buddy. Have a good week. All right. All right. Guys, I'm out of here. Right. Oh, See you right. The Ray
4: best. Longo minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. He sounds ready for video. So uh, <laughs> he does. Longo coming your way in all his glory next week. That is going to do it. For episode 131, thank you, of course, to Michael Bisping for carving out a few minutes. Thanks to Ray Longo, as you just heard. Thanks to our Fox Sports team, I think most importantly, um, for some of the bells and whistles this week, and just for helping us make this transition to Playa Vista. They get to see Ken Flo live and in color every week. Thank you, Janko, Neil Foley, uh, Ben Wasoric, as well. We are right back next Monday. Fight week for Michael Bisping, if you can believe it, folks. Uh, Thanksgiving week, Kenny will be in Boston And uh, we'll have another show for you Monday, November 20th. We will preview Bisping Gaslam, get you some picks on that. Sydney highlights as well. It'll be 1230 Eastern, 930 a.m. Pacific, one week from today. With that for The Flow, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for listening, for watching. We will talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo later.
1: The John Anik and
2: Kenny Florian Podcast.